thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. very dark and cold tonight so hopefully we're going to bring a bit of light and warmth into your wednesday evening just after eight o'clock hello everybody and welcome to midweek motorsport series 14 episode 44 uh hang off live uh, from the center of england i literally cannot see a thing out of the window tonight it is pitch black and very chilly meanwhile up in london is tim gray uh good evening <laughs> satellite delay kicking in there how are you tonight tim i'm good excellent and, and uh if you don't bring uh, warmth into my life then uh a uh, uh, polish sounding man uh, will do in about 15 minutes polish sounding man yes uh, he's uh, my uh, allocated driver from domino's ah excellent very good uh, so it's a bit of pie tonight for uh, Tim Gray. Uh, and on a packed programme tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Excellent. We'll be looking at the news. We'll be looking at some of last weekend's racing. We'll be looking ahead to some of this weekend's racing. And we have uh, a guest. We have uh, Shay Adam. We have Nick Damon. Uh, we have uh, Alex Brundle as our big interview this cookie week. Cookie Monster! Oh, I should have got some cookies, shouldn't I? Yes, you should have. Yeah. He's uh, not going to come knocking on the door with you, bringing your pizza. Although that would be funny if that happened. Well, he lives literally six miles away. <laughs> I know he does. Actually, less than that. Five, probably, um, five miles away. So uh, he could come here. We don't need to have him on the phone. No, indeed we don't. Um, uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I do don't have any cookies. I've not ordered any cookies. Shall Just I do uh, pizza and tub of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, very good. Shall I do a bit of housekeeping? Do. Uh, Brody says, no airface tonight. I'm the one in the red car trying to force the show over to the left a bit. Hope we don't crash. Hmm. Hello, Chris Will, who'll be tuning in via the podcast. Rob Chalmers on a packed show tonight. He says, will there be any time to discuss the Motorsport UK? That's the new name uh, for the RSA Motorsport Association. And still a programme on ITV. Uh, and uh, new simplified license structure and the accompanying page and a half of A4 letter and three brochures needed to explain it. He really panicked me when he said that because I got mine this morning and I hadn't looked at it yet and I thought, oh my goodness. So I now have and I don't think there's any difference for me because I'm old and have an international license. So I think I have to do this, all the same stuff. It, it is simplified. The old version was horribly complicated and this one is still complicated, but much less so. Mine was fairly easy. I just had to go and get a, um, a medical, two medicals, and, and then send age? it in. Well, and because it's an international letter, uh, yeah, uh, a license as well. Uh, in pit lane, is saving the podcast. 
for a long trip to Adelaide for a drag racing live stream. Fresh from watching the Brabham documentary last night. It's well worth a look, says Impit Lane at Spectatainment. Believe me, a trip to Adelaide would be longer for us than it would be for you. Yeah, with many podcasts. Early with the AFAs tonight, doing some virtual midweek motorsports, says Ike at Ike Sky. Catch you on the podcast in the morning. And Randy Brown says, stuck doing this annoying work thing again. Looking forward to Midweek Motorsport on the podcast. Have a good show. Podcast, rather. Have a good show, everyone. Although I quite like podcast. Uh, is that where we actually bring it round to your house just for you? Chris Suku. That's where no- you change the brakes. All right. Okay, very good. Yes. Uh, the dry brake podcast. Uh, evening all, no AFAs from Chris. Looking forward to the show while perilously man multitasking. Recipe for disaster. No airfares from Carol Brink. Kevin is listening from a muddy Coachella. Muddy in Coachella. Okay. Kevin Payne. No airfares tonight. Uh, listening live. Uh, he says, I expect there'll be plenty to fill the two hours. We'll do our best. Best. Uh, deep breath. Put a brew on. Says Rob. Dave England said airfares from me this week. Catch up on the podcast in the morning, I should think. Uh, Dave's taking part in a 10k uh, running race around Silverstone this weekend. Would like to offer best wishes to anyone else taking part in that, the 5K or the half marathon. I didn't know that was happening. We should get our Nick Damon into that. He's doing 5Ks for fun at the moment. He did, I'm sure they're still taking entries. He did 5Ks. He did a 5K gap at the weekend in about four seconds. He was brilliant. Uh, Stephen Lott, if you weren't listening, you just that was the front row of the... Uh, Creventic race at the weekend. Uh, Stephen Lloyd says, no AFAs listening while getting in some practice for Friday's sim race. Ooh, so a lot of virtual racing going on. Can uh, we right talk about virtual, virtual racing? If you wish. Because um, people who play racing computer games mm-hmm. must be getting very annoyed by the fact that professional racing drivers are doing it too. <laughs> so... If you were um, looking at iRacing the other day... Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wasn't, but clearly you were. see what, what day it was. I can't even find the picture now. Uh, just bear with me one moment. So I'm who sure was in it that we knew then? Uh, do you remember Niall Quinn? Uh, not as in Disco Pants and the former Sunderland chairman and outstanding striker, but yes, I do. No. Um, the other one. He, he was at number 13. Uh, oh, I've missed uh, Keith Dempsey uh, number 16. Right. Uh, number 7, Charlie Eastwood. Yes. Bit of an Irish theme going on yeah, here, isn't there? Yeah, very much so. Uh, number 6, Nicky Katzberg. <laughs> wow. And number 5, Marcel Fassbender. Right. Number 3, Max Verstappen. Really? Yeah. The Max Verstappen. The Max Verstappen. Not just, you know, Max Verstappen from the corner shop. No, okay. the Max Verstappen. Okay. Uh, number one, Daniel Junkadella. Wow. Uh, don't forget, it's four... So su- that's the uh, official iRacing F3 hot lap world wow. rankings. This weekend, uh, our share Adam will be hosting uh, Forza RC uh, for digital racing this weekend. Uh, right, Turn Lover says, no AFAs. Cookie at the ready for Alex Brundle's part of Midway Motors. No cookies. For Alex, he's t- he said that immediately. It's, he, as you know, the reason we call him Cookie Monster is he turned some down when he came here to Hindhoff Towers. Was worried it might put a tenth on his lap time. McLaren Philadelphia. Hello. And uh, finally got to meet McLaren Philadelphia when I was in Texas last week when they were doing the Pure McLaren event. 
Uh, not not in Philadelphia. No, not in Philadelphia. Had uh, guests at the Circuit of the Americas before it was opened up uh, to the uh, Hancock 24-hour series. Uh, looking forward to hearing Nick's comments on Carlos's podium in Brazil, plus all the usual features. Was he on the podium? He was. But he might not I be. I didn't see that bit. Well, he wasn't, but he was, if you see what I mean. Um, and from Chris Ring says, uh, AFA is just about to watch the Le Mans film. No spoilers, please. Don't want to know the ending. Need to watch all the way at the end, Chris. Keep the tissues ready. Mm. Uh, I'm doing my version of paper shuffling at home. And can actually listen live, says John, the race fan. Woohoo! Hashtag racing look finally goes my way. Well done, John. Michael Denny, listening live, driving the Beamer home down the M4. I'll be a silent partner tonight. Excellent, no texting or tweeting and driving. Good luck down the M4 uh, this evening. It looked horrible, or sounded horrible early on when I was out in the car listening to the traffic news. Uh, Oliver Giles, looking forward to Alex Brundle, discussing all things autosport. Uh, United Autosport, European Le Mans series in 24 hours. Uh, yes, I will ask him all about that, I'm sure. Uh, listening live, studying for a math test tomorrow, says Slow Pass. Or oh, actually said math test, so obviously in the States. Stuart Mack is in the garage, putting the final touches to the VW Polo race car, prepping for the Kyle nine-hour support race. Stuart Mack, excellent. I'm very envious of you racing at Kyle I was tempted to go this weekend, um, but I've got a curry on Friday night now with some old work colleagues, and we're going to have some people over on Saturday, so it's not going to happen now. Uh, Crotchbelt says, yeah, baby, give me the news. Ted the Toyman says, listening to the first hour, then getting ready for work. And Sarah Rigbridge. Oh. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. That means we've had so many tweets that uh, we ran out of time. Well, hello to Sarah Rigby then. Uh, we will be talking about what you're asking about. And hello to Christopher Matthias as well. We will be doing some Moto uh, GP. Top story tonight. Uh, we did mention that papers would be shuffled. They have been. And Tim, where would you like to take us in the wild world of motorsport? Should we go to Concord, North Carolina to start with. Okay. Because in that sounds 20, American to me. It is. 23 hours from now, mm-hmm. there is a press conference taking place there. Mm-hmm. Uh, featuring uh, one Rick Hendrick, owner of 12-time NASCAR Cup Series champions Hendrick Motorsports. But not RC Racing, funny enough. No, no, that would be Richard Childress. Uh, oh, yes, good complaint. And one, G- one Jimmy Johnson, seven-time yes. NASCAR Cup Series champion and driver of the number 48 uh, Chevrolet Camaro. Seven for times. Hendrick. Seven times a NASCAR champion. No, he's a seven hyphen time. Uh, for Hendrick Motorsports. Right. What could this press conference be about, Shay Adam? Hello. Uh, it would be Hello. in relation... <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. No, that's, uh, that's in, your thing. It's your shtick. In relation to the video that Jimmy released on Twitter, uh, what, a couple of hours ago now, announcing that 2020 would be his final season in the Cup Series. So he's going for an eighth championship once more, but this will be Jimmy's last hurrah. Mm. It, yes. It's quite remarkable, John, when you look back at his career. I mean, I was just doing a little bit of number crunching because we were talking about uh, Jimmy's spectacular record in comparison to, say, the King, for example. And Jimmy has 83 wins, 364 top 
10 finishes out of 651 races. But when I went what, back to... Say that to, last bit again, 300 and how many top 10s? One per day of the year, 364 right. out of 651 races. So, so more than a 50% strike race in ter- strike rate in terms of getting in the top 10. Correct, correct. <gasps> Nearly but 60%. But the even more... Yes, I can't do that that sort of maths. Uh, the thing that's even more remarkable, John, his ability to finish inside the top 10 in the championship every year, he's done it all but one, two, three, five years out of his 18-thus-year career. And this year was his worst ever finish running a full-season effort. So this was the only time he's finished in outside of the career. top 15. Yes. No he, way. His first year in the series, he only ran three races. So you can't count that. That was all the way back in 2001. But every year since 2002, he's finished fifth, second, second, fifth, first, 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 sixth, third, first, 11th, 10th, first, 10th, 14th, and then this year, 18th. So a remarkable career. He hasn't won a race for 18 months now, though, Shay. Correct. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who's got seven championships. He's got all those wins. He's won the Daytona 500 twice. He's won at pretty much every track on the calendar, which just a, a moment of pause and to remove myself from Jimmy World. Congratulations to Kyle Bush, who has won at every race every on the calendar race except the for country. Daytona. Uh, and really? I think Bristol maybe. Yeah, there's there's two or three tracks starting of this year that Bush hadn't won at, and I think he knocked two of them off, but he hasn't won in the Cup Series at Daytona. Ah, in the Cup Series, yes, okay. But but he's got two opportunities a year, and he's never managed to accomplish it. But, you know, Jimmy Johnson has, which is the biggest line, and just a guy who's going to be so missed in that paddock because he really is the last vestige of the good old days. We, we talked, didn't we, when the Dream Team was broken up, Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, about how Jimmy would carry on from there. Uh, and the answer is, it, it, it hasn't really. The, the, the story hasn't yet continued. No, and part of the difficulty that I've seen a lot of experts sort of dive into is that Jimmy likes a car that handles very differently from this new generation car. So it's been more of a struggle for him to learn how to drive a car that's so planted when he likes something that's a little bit loose at the rear end in particular. So it's it's been a difficult couple of years with him trying to adapt to that. But also, he's had opportunities. Think back to the Roval race last year where yep. he and Martin Truex came together in the last chicane of the last lap. It's not that Jimmy's lost anything. It's just that the cards haven't fallen his way. Yeah, that to me, though, that was a perfect illustration of what had changed. He, I mean, he's a race driver. He's going to go for the gap, to quote Ayrton Senna. But, but if, if it had stayed as it was and they'd finished the way they, was, they, they were, rather, um, Jimmy would have been in the playoffs. He didn't. He went for it and he didn't move on. And I, I've got to wonder if a calmer voice in his ears might have made a difference. I totally agree. Um, the weird situation this year was completely missing the playoffs when all three of his younger teammates made it. That was sort of a bit of a red flag. And there haven't been any further announcements as to next year what's going to change to try and help him get another championship because clearly what they did this year didn't work. So we've already seen announcements from other teams. Uh, Tim mentioned, well, you mentioned and then Tim followed up on it with RCR. 
there's going to be a lot of different faces at Haas next year, Stuart Haas racing. So you have to wonder what the magic key is going to be at Hendricks for Jimmy to come out and get that championship. But I have to say, knowing the way that things kind of fall into place magically, it always seems that the biggest story gets that little bit of extra momentum, which for whatever reason, whether you want to put your tinfoil hat on or not and say, oh, well, it's rigged, that person always seems to do pretty well at the Daytona 500. So I'm going to put money on Jimmy Johnson today getting the poll at the 500 next year. Um, and you, you mentioned the final race uh, outcome uh, of the season, the final four going into uh, Miami Homestead at the weekend. We got to catch bits and pieces of it as we were working at at quarter um it, it was an interesting race in some respects uh, i kept <laughs> glancing up and going ah, okay ah, yeah okay. E- eventually three out of the four uh pretty much came together but there was only one winner and it, it looked like there was only one winner from quite a way out yeah it, it was kyle bush's day for sure you've got to feel for denny hamlin who was never really on the exact same pace. He struggled with balance early on, and I think it was ultimately a mismatch on the tires on one of the pit stops that cost Martin Truex Jr. a real Put shot at it. on the wrong side of the car. Oops. Oops. Rookie mistake. There was a couple my first of, day. Uh, th- there was a couple of, of pit stop mistakes that cost contenders at the weekend. But that, you know what, I'm okay with that because it is a team sport. And you think about all the pit stops that they do over the course of a year, the guys not really getting their due for making so many perfect pit stops that it highlights it when something goes wrong, particularly for the championship race. But ultimately, the start of the race was the top four because um, practice on Friday was rained out as tends to happen in Florida during the rainy season. I'm just going to say. Um, so they elected to run during qualifying as a, an additional practice session and then set the grid by points. There was plenty of running between the top four during the course early on in the race. So you really did get to see their comparative speeds. And no doubt, Kyle Busch drove in there with one mission to win the championship and nobody could touch him. Uh, Tim Gray has more for Shea Adam on Midweek Motorsport, Series 14, Episode 44. I do, because not only did uh, Kyle Busch uh, win... Uh, a new record has been set by Jacobs Racing. Really? Yes. In terms they, of getting they are their the cars first, in the final? First team in uh, the modern era to win more than half of the races in one season. Really? Holy smokes. They got 19 wins this season out of 36 races. 36, yeah. And, w- and when you consider our championship winner with that race win, Brooke a 21 race winless streak yeah but he did win four in a row at the start of the year yeah but even that, so that's where this yeah. championship came from well that's true enough well actually it just came on the last lap of the last race of the season because uh, that's be how they pedant. <laughs> sorry couldn't help yes i suppose you are right Shea, but he had to get there and that's what yes he was the first man qualified and he dominated the early what quarter of the season really without that he wouldn't have got into the playoffs wasn't Hamlin the first guy qualified wasn't Hamlin the first guy who qualified with his win at the Daytona 500 yeah all right yes you're right in in 
in point of fact, you are right. Yes. But, but as Tim but says, actually, without yeah. those four wins early in the year, yes. um, he, he wouldn't have got into the playoffs. Uh, no, he didn't win another race. So, um, uh, extraordinary domination by one team. Three of the four cars in the final four. Uh, it was the Stuart Haas Racing was the only other team that could hold a candle to Joe Gibbs Racing. Coach Gibbs gets the, uh, gets the win. In a super emotional year too, John, because remember, J.B. Gibbs passed away quite suddenly uh, at the beginning of the year. So that just that gave me a little bit of goosebumps to think about that. It's well-deserved. Joe Gibbs Racing was the team to beat this year. They proved it, and now they've got a champion out of it too. Mm, very uh, good. Shall we move on? Shall we say goodbye to Shea for the moment? Not yet. Okay, One more on. Shea story. Okay, go. Welcome to Miami. The Board of County Commissioners of Miami-Dade County have failed in a bid to overturn the Mayor's veto on decisions designed to make life difficult for the Miami Dolphins, uh, one of which was uh, to uh, try and prevent uh, racing in the grounds of the Hard Rock Stadium. Yes, so this was a vote... So the race can go ahead. Well, mm, you say that. This was a vote that was in relation to blocking off the streets of Miami for public events held in the stadium. They were trying to stop that from even being an opportunity because, of course, in Miami Gardens, there's a little bit of an issue with the stadium being mostly on private land. But there was a little bit of land that they were going to need to close off to make the racetrack, too. They felt one vote short of making it so that the city could say, no, you can't close off these private lands. So what it means is that when the race comes to town, there is now an option for an additional vote where they can then ask and you know, seek permission to get that road blocked off for whatever it would be the week so that they can build the track around it or build the runoff area onto it. Basically, it means that the, in, enough residents didn't voice their displeasure. They don't realize yet that part of their regular street access, I think it's 198th Street, will be blocked off. So it's interesting. We're, we'll see what happens. It's not a clear green light, but it's definitely not as red of a light as people thought. Is that the same um, hard rock as the, uh, as the... Big guitar. Big guitar. Yes. Okay. So in a very different location, though, John. That's the Hard Rock Hotel. Uh, the stadium is just sponsored by and partially owned by the same entity. But it's in a different spot. All right. So, so sorry, that, that's what I meant. So it's not the same uh, venue as when we were driving past the big guitar the other day that oddly I couldn't see. Correct. The big guitar is it's located on the turnpike off to driver's right as you're northbound just before you get to 595, whereas the stadium is located off to driver's left just outside of the goal. And miles apart, I would say. Yeah. OK. All righty. Uh, all good stuff. Share for the moment. Thank you. Uh, will you come back in the second part of the show tonight and talk about some... Uh, uh, and talk about some US news, please. Yeah, OK. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Shea Adam joining us live uh, from Fort Lauderdale. Now when, Tim? Uh, let's uh, bring in our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Right. Good evening, Nick. 
you have to give me a different cure. I can't do it. Uh, it's time for Formula One next, which means we need our Formula One correspondent, <laughs> Nick Damon. Hooray! Oh, it's much better working professionals, John. Tim just doesn't get the idea of a feed line, does he? You sound you sound way better than you have done in previous weeks. Uh, but it was funny having you do that on the show, uh, on the telephone last week, whilst you <laughs> were on the Dallas Airport shuttle. Uh, yes, woman. Woman gave me very odd look. Very yes. odd look indeed. It's a good it's job you weren't standing in the security away. line. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Mm, very good. Uh, Brazil at the weekend. Yes. Can well, I start here? Yes. Going into Brazil, why was he number two hundred nine significant? Uh, and why is that number now two hundred eleven? Uh, number of races for your first podium or something? Or number of races since McLaren got a podium? Or? Oh, there you go. The number of drivers to have scored a podium finish in Formula 1 history. Uh, uh, but is uh, that right? Two is, that new a, is that as accurate as a 1,000 Grand Prix? That's uh, from a source that I trust. Okay. Right. Okay. Seems reasonable. Uh, seems reasonable. Uh, and that's because we had two new podiums, did we, at the weekend, uh, Nick? Two new podia performances. First time since, I think, 1994, I think, or 1991 or something. But only one of them stood on the podium, of course. Because yes. it's not over, as it's been pointed out on uh, <laughs> on Aspect Entertainment by McLaren Philadelphia, uh, it's not over till the FIA stewards sing. It wasn't really the FIA steward singing, was it? It was Lewis singing. He was singing. He was singing himself into 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 a problem. Mm. It's the second over oversharing that's resulted in a problem in the last few races. Um, Lewis went all mere culpa, threw his hands up, didn't even bother going to defend himself at the steward inquiry. Just said uh, sent Ron Fellows to go. Yeah, he admits it, and they hadn't really got much choice. Which is odd, to be honest, because I actually think that was a racing incident. I think Albon was absolutely as much to blame as Hamilton for that. Albon looked like you made Albon... a mistake to me and had gone a bit wide. Uh, listen, and, and before anybody shouts at me on Twitter, I am absolutely not. And I feel like I always have to say this when we're talking about Lewis. But I am not a Lewis fan. I'm not a Lewis apologist. I just call it as I say it. I looked at that and went, oh, get down the inside there, son. A bit it... wide. You could have got a bus through there, John. Well... Uh, you know, in a weekend where everybody was lauding the late and, in my mind, not so great Ayrton Senna, but, hey, that's, again, that's just my opinion, everybody, if that had been Senna, would have went, oh, it was a gap, oh, Senna's got to go for it, oh, Senna, I'm a racing driver, I don't go for a gap, I'm not a racing driver, my life is not complete. And yet, Lewis goes down the inside and is roundly castigated and gets two points on his licence. Well, he wasn't actually that castigated. He, was just, he castigated himself for some reason. I think he's, he, you know, I think he doesn't care, Nick. Well, I did kind of think that tactically this is quite clever because if you admit to it, it doesn't matter. When it does matter, you saying I didn't do it has more has more weight, doesn't it? It's a bit like it's a bit like you know LBW to the umpire when you absolutely know that you bank the rights with the with the ump. You you basically got no, it's all right, ump. That's out. And then, you know, if it's a, mm, you're not sure, or you absolutely want to try and stay in, at the, you know, if the game's won and it doesn't matter, you go, yeah, no problem, I'm out. And then when it does matter, and you need six off the last two balls, oh, hey, um, I was miles outside a leg stump there. You know, that's yeah. the sort of thing you do, isn't well, it? 
I think it's interesting that they have been quite swift in getting drivers off the podium before even the podium celebration. But the fact they didn't do it means I don't think the stewards thought it was particularly black or white. It doesn't, I say, it doesn't really matter. And it was six and a half thousand. I, think, I thought it was a pretty, you know, it could have gone either way. I think it, the stewards probably would have preferred not to give the penalty because I think it was a, it was a case where it very much where Albon was um, really rather too uh, generous with his space. Um and uh, bad luck on Albon well. because he had had a decent race. All right, he looked into a tyre change with the penultimate safety if, car. If you, but... make, if, you, if you make if you make one major mistake and, and don't finish on, in the top thing, well, that's that's what happens. Other drivers made one major mistake in that race and didn't finish. So I haven't actually got much sympathy for him. He, he was. It, it was not that difficult on the infield in Brazil just to stay tight in all the uh, corners and stop someone getting past. So no, I'm not. I have no sympathy for Albon at all. I think that you know it, it didn't help either. No, neither gained out of hitting it. It's a it's a it's a weird thing. And it's obviously the, the, the big loser really actually is Carlos Sainz who didn't get to wave to the crowd yes. but did get the champagne, the trophy. What about the other contact between the two uh, red cars? Was it a case yeah. for Leclerc uh, for? Uh, live by the blocking somebody by diving to the left in the braking area, die by having somebody block you going into the braking area. Because he did it to Bottas several times going into turn one. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think the, the fact was he he, he jumped uh, Vettel quite cleverly, and 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 it's not the hard really. It's not the hardest thing if you get a reasonable drive with DRS up the hill into um, into the first corner at uh, um, Brazil. Obviously, the, you have to be accommodating and, and and none of the drivers did what you can do which is drive someone out to the outside too much there was quite I mean, that's a lot of drivers got yeah, Lewis past, was uh, very got, kind yeah. with uh, Verstappen about that wasn't he and then yeah, he got I'm, done on turn four um, by not having room left for literally, him he's literally just uh, building up credits for the way it, it counts isn't yeah. he um, but um, yeah I mean I think I mean, basically what happened then was Fettel got a run <laughs> Apologies, and uh, they're side by side. And Vettel moved over on Leclerc. It's one of these. It's it's not even, you know. I know Ferrari have got all to fit one of those things, and because it's two cars from the same team, the stewards did nothing. But that was Vettel's fault, one hundred percent. You don't drift at that point, do you? Because you're not gonna. He's got this. He, he drifted over at the start of um, the Mexican Grand Prix and put Lewis off. He tried to put Lewis off at the start of this race as well. He's gone all drifty, and he drifted. I mean, in fairness, the the level, the the resulting. Accident damage and the level of touch was unlucky. Yeah, they were that doing 175 mile an hour, mate. And when you get a puncture at 175 mile an hour, well, it's not it's not going to just make you... off the wheel. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's not going to just make you cruise to a halt, is it? No, but it, it was it was you know it's a it's it's a, the best it could be as a 90-10 for Vettel, and I personally it's a hundred zero uh, because Leclerc was absolutely running true and he didn't move. He definitely didn't move. Um, Who else was affected by that incident? Uh, I don't know. That Something from be behind them. Lance Stroll. Really? Who? How was he affected by? Literally, I didn't even know Lance Stroll was in that race. You know? uh, he was very much in that race and in the points up until the point where a bit of debris yeah. from uh, a shredded uh, Ferrari tyre uh, uh. got caught up in his suspension, breaking it. Oh really? Well, okay. Uh, that's why he toured to a halt later on. Yes, it's not. I mean, it's a bit of bad luck. He's really not set the world. It's lucky Daddy owns the company, isn't it? Given this year's <laughs> performance. Doesn't have a damage uh, excess uh, on that one. Then is he all right with that? Well, I think 
I don't think I get to. Pay, I don't think I have to pay for it. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, the, the big losers really were was the um, was was again the harmoniousness of Ferrari. You've got to try and manage this whole situation and then start again next year and try and um, in some way build a harmonious team that anyone believes is harmonious. Uh, Binotto's face was an absolute picture. After well, that, it's like, oh god, I've got to deal with this again. I know, and he's got other problems as well, hasn't he? Well, now allegedly that's quite that's allegedly because we don't know this we don't know this actually happened. But well, no, it's we, been got, now we got very s- strongly rumoured. Right before that, we've got a spin back to what you were talking about in two weeks ago, wasn't it? When you yes. were talking about leaky oil to air intercoolers, outcomes mm-hmm. outcomes the um, uh, the what directive. What, Directive, thank you. Clarification was the word I was looking for. So exactly what you said would probably happen, did happen. And, you know, so now, whilst they weren't using the C word before that uh, Max Verstappen used again, and they weren't cheating before, they can't now do it. And has that affected their performance in terms of Ferrari's engine power? Well, they were slower again, didn't get pole again, weren't blitzing everyone again. Still quick. It's a quick car because it's low drag, but they weren't blitzing everyone on lap time. And again, they said we we're running a high, a high downforce car, but realistically, they were nowhere in that race, even before they hit each other. Nowhere in comparison to the leaders. Um, and the strong rumour is, unfortunately, I've only read, read it in three places. I don't consider particularly... And this is rep- the other problem that you were going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah is that they, the rumour is that the FIA have um, impounded or confiscated or whatever you do, um, the fuel system from the Ferrari car, the fuel system from a Ferrari customer car and the fuel system from a another team for reference. And this is because of what you were talking about last two weeks ago, rather, in that it is in the regulations that they have to provide the same equipment at least with the engine running, but they are looking to see what is different, if anything, between the Ferrari and a customer team and between Ferrari engine cars yeah, and other cars. They're looking. If this has happened, let's say it's, 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 a, it's a, say a 75% likelihood. It's not 100% because I haven't seen it in, in either of the outlets I trust entirely. Um, they are, you know, and they get, it is a case where they are, I mean, they are checking for the issues before now the question obviously is that theoretically they may well have taken it off or given enough, enough chance to take it off then get tested and that's fine um but yeah i think there's obviously they're taking it quite seriously uh and obviously if they were found to have been um uh, gaming the system in that particular way um that would be quite serious and the, and there would be uh, all sorts of um repercussions because that would be cheating rather than um, enveloping the rules. Including, could that include having points taken away? Include being kicked out. It's Ferrari, they won't kick them out. Well, that's exactly the point. However, you know, and, and if you want because to... Because if they do, because you know what will happen if they do, Ferrari will threaten to leave the championship. Actually, do you know what? Ferrari have done that so many times in the past, and I wonder, under new management, if they actually said that, whether they go, yeah, all right, then... Well, nah, the wood, thing wood, is, the, wood, the thing wood. is, if they if they wanted to catch them, they'd have, they'd have stripped it two races ago. You know, it's very likely that whatever wasn't legal is now legal, and then just and if they have stripped it all down, it's just to go through the process again. Nope, it's fine. 
you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we're just over 35 minutes into the show uh, this evening. Nick Damon is uh, on the line. And I know this is not live, but the score last night was 1-0 to Nick. I know, I, I know. know. So, you no, know. One, no one more surprised than me, I can tell you. It allows us to concentrate on the on the league, Nick. So you've yeah. done us a favour, actually. That's right. Well, you must be upset you missed out on Mourinho this morning. Yeah, I somehow think that even the special one isn't special enough to get us out of the specially big hole we're in at the moment. It's 1-0, 0-0, 0-0 and 0-0 at the moment in the FA Cup. And uh, Nick, you um, you finished second in a race on Monday as well. I did. Yes, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was behind. I was behind the uh, the the the, the ex policeman who managed to get a discount as well, uh, and ahead of Johnny Palmer. So I, I we, we went in. We went in reverse Palmer age was order. Third. Yeah, he was. That's yes. surprising. Why, why uh, do you think that was? Because he wasn't as fast as the as me and Joe. He's normally quicker because he's lighter. But you've lost a bit of weight, Nick, because you've been I, sharpening. Are I'm, you going to do the I, Silverstone 5K I, at the weekend? I've got a dodgy leg. Uh, but no, what I would say, I, it, it, obviously this is of limited interest to the, to the viewer, to the listeners anyway, but Johnny, we, we, we could only do one set of racing. It's discount Monday, actually, 15 bucks. It's brilliant. Um, but we couldn't, they didn't have time to do two. So normally Johnny does, improves massively in the second run. So uh, I, was able to let, I was able to put on my ability to learn track quicker advantage before... He comes back and beats you later, and then Bradley just cheats by being good. That is very good in a cart. He's very, mm. very good in a cart. Brody has tweeted at Specutainment while we've got Nick on. He said, I think Sebastian Vettel was trying to reassert his position as quote unquote above Leclerc, but moved just a fraction too soon and, and swept across the nose. I, I like what Mark Webber said uh, that Sebastian always thinks that the car ends at the back of his helmet. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he doesn't really care what's behind him, does he? And in some ways, you know, uh, again, I'm not a Vettel apologist either, but in some ways you can see how that stood him in good stead. If you can intimidate people and let them back off, as, as Bottas did uh, with Leclerc, and Leclerc played exactly the same game. Look, basically, I'm, I'm coming over here. I'm going to stop you going through. If you want to crash into me, crash into me well I think what it, what it is John actually we find is that everyone's pointed out that he makes a mistake at one every three races and this was the third race his last mistake <laughs> was uh, cocking up the, the start in uh, um, in Japan he, in, in, in Mexico he tried to run Lewis off the track but Lewis refused to crash into him uh, last week his suspension broke before he could do something stupid so he had to do something this time otherwise he'd be, he'd be ruining his averages okay uh, it's uh, there was something else I wanted to talk about about the Brazilians. Well done, Max Verstappen. Oh, there's lots of things I want to talk about in terms right. of Brazilians. Go on then. Um, what's the quote I'm well, looking for? Uh, having DRS open is against the philosophy of slowing. Yes, um, a number of drivers, um, when the waved yellows came out for Bottas being at the side of the track, uh, still engaged their DRS, which is not an obvious indication you've seen the flags and the stopping, but they got let off, which was a little bit surprising and not quite, because it was apparently uh, muscle memory and it just it was instinctive. Um, oh, hang on a second. So, uh, so do you have to actually engage DRS? It doesn't come on yeah. automatically. It, it comes off automatically, but you have to engage by oh. pressing a button. Uh, was it was it right to have? Uh, a full a safe a full safety car for that. Um, yes. They said it's because they were putting a crane on the track, and um, obviously once we're not having cars and cranes mixing after the Jules Bianchi uh, incident. Mm. Okay. 
bit unfortunate because in fairness to Valtteri, he did actually try to park it in a good place and yeah, had a very rough run over the um, the grass to get there. Yeah, his but engine man, had packed in long before that, hadn't it? So he was but, he was actually just yeah. not slowing down, trying to get it as far off the cra- track as he could, but he didn't have any motive power to reverse it back. Nice downhill section as well. Yeah, good point. But realistically, it's, it's these sort of weekends that the reason why Bottas is either going to have to completely change or he'll never, ever be able to compete with Lewis. You know, he was... Lewis has had two weekends where he's been at the top and Valtteri has one where he's at the top and one where he's nowhere. Yeah. You have to do it consistently. And, you know, and he was just nowhere. Um, and it's, it's likely now that he'll have to take a penalty. That engine looked, that engine looked completely knackered. Why, uh, why did uh, Mercedes... Get, right, okay, right back. Given that Lewis was faster on worn soft tyres than Verstappen, considerably so, mm-hmm. why did they not pit him at the same time as Verstappen and send him to the end? Because he was on a do whatever Verstappen doesn't do. But why especially. would you do that? That's, that's well, because just you've got a choice. It, well, well, I... Th- I th- the point about it is, is there weren't enough laps to make the tyres wear out. So they're basically thinking, well, if, if we both come in, then uh, for Schaffen be out front, don't forget they had no power advantage. So either the, the um, Honda engine was working very well with the higher altitude. Um, so they had no power advantage. So they weren't going to out-drag him. Um, so they, 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 it was, it, they thought they'd get track position. It wasn't enough against fresh tyres. So they lost that. Well, it wasn't when he was it. on mediums. Absolutely it wasn't when he... It was never going to be enough when he was on mediums. Well, at that point, you're, you're nailed in, aren't you? You got, and 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 the end of the, the end result is the worst you're going to be at that point. The second you're already second, and something could happen, and, and you know there could be a warm-up issue, and and Verstappen wasn't going to hit. so that wasn't a problem. It's more a problem when they gave him the option to come in again, which caused all the kerfuffle afterwards because they said, "Should he come in today? Do you want to come in? I think I might come in." I don't know. And at the end, they they gave him a, a bum steer, and so he he dropped one place, and he dropped two places. Hence, coming together with Albon, but it's easy to be wise. Event. And again, it didn't matter. They've won both championships. It's not an issue. It was a ch- a bit more aggressive. They'll all learn from it. They'll run it around, and um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you, that that sort of that sort of race race number three is a disaster. That sort of race race number twenty or twenty one both championship one. It's like no, nah, fair enough. Okay. Uh, any more in Formula One before we move on? Uh, one more Formula One story. All right. Uh, Mercedes uh, test driver Esteban Ocon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is uh, turning yellow for his Abu Dhabi do. That's right, because he will be um, running for uh, Renault in place of Nico Hulkenberg next season, and he's going to get a couple of days in the car uh, at the end of the season. So that's nice for him. So where's Hulkenberg going then? Because there's not a seat for him in Formula One, as we've been seeing for a while. Doesn't appear to be a seat from IndyCar either, so he'll probably have a year off. Mm. Okey dokey then. A uh, couple of weeks' time, Abu Dhabi, and traditionally that's all right for. Mercedes, isn't it? Although if it's too hot, it might be a bit of an issue. Mm, that won't be that hot that time of day. It's a, it's a, I'll, I'll be watching. As I'm going there, my, going there for completely different reasons. The same week, I've been watching the temperatures. But you know, by the time the race starts, which is which is quite late, it's about 25 degrees, so it's not an issue I at all. I am going to remind uh, the audience, not... as our Formula One correspondent who was deciding to go to Abu Dhabi for a holiday, and then wondered why all the flights were so expensive because the final. Formula One Grand Prix of the year was the weekend you were going to go. So I've gone to Dubai and said it's super cheap. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Very good. Very good. And only a short drive away. Well, yes. 90 minutes. Not four and a half hours like Joey said on commentary. Two uh, (laughs) 
it's a well, two centre holiday. Route Johnny would take would be. That's, That's a very good point. Take the scenic route, route. go up the coast. Fantastic run. Uh, shall we stay with Nick for a bit of two wheeled action? Uh, well, I'm going to stay with Nick for a bit more four wheeled action, actually. Oh, or more oh, to the point, hello. a bit of four wheeled inaction. Oh, really? Yes. Um, world touring cars. Yes. Do you remember a few years ago, Citroen showed their commitment to the FIA World Touring Car Championship um, in a uh, press release where they said they were absolutely committed to the championship but would be pulling out of it? Yes, that sounds like Citroen, yes. Uh, A press release from Citroen today uh, says uh, Citroen's DNA is intimately linked with rallying. We are proud to be one of the most titled brands in WRC history and have 102 victories and eight manufacturers titled. Yes. And therefore... Building on the experience and competences of PSA motorsport teams, Citroen customer competition activity will be reinforced in 2020. By not bothering. By... By the works team pulling out. Yes. Yes. So we're not going to race against our customers or otherwise. Basically, that's a very good piece of uh, public relations uh, fluff, Nick, to say we're pulling out of WRC as a works team. But in fact, they haven't said that. They've said they're throwing all of their focus on their customer teams. Well, didn't they, aren't they pulling out as a works team because there's no really good drivers left? Wasn't that what they were saying? But Sebastian Ogier's got a year left on his contract with Citroen. Mm-hmm. But he's left. Hmm. But yes. he's still got a year on his contract, so can he leave? What came first? What came first? Him leaving or them pulling out? Well... Who knows? But the fact is that it's uh, obviously it's all part of the PSA group. PSA group have got a lot of things on their mind. They've got to build themselves a hypercar in uh, three years' time. And they've got to merge with Fiat in the next few months. So uh, they've, got to, they've got to build a hypercar for Maserati, obviously, because that's what they really want to do, isn't it? That's what you well, want to do. No. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not going to happen because they're going to put Persia in. There's a whole amount of work going on there. And as we all know, rallying is pointless. That's fine. Stop it. I, I'm allowed my opinion and you can all disagree with me. Do you remember last year? Where's last he going? Week, Hang on. He's where? going to Toyota. Where was, do you remember last week? Who's going to Toyota? Sebastian Ogier. Ogier. With who? Toyota. With who? Who's going to be there with him? Well, his co-driver. No, no. I mean, who's... Right. So, the reason he's going to Toyota is because... Citroen are pulling out. Because Oitanak's gone to Hyundai. And Elfin Evans and... Um, sorry, who are we talking about? Sebastian Ogier. Sebastian, Sebastian Ogier. A complete mental block there. Uh, will be announced at Toyota next week. Allegedly. Yes. Actually. I think. Probably. <laughs> Do you remember last week we were talking about the European Rally Champion? Uh, Chris Ingram. Chris Ingram and the Skoda R5 for Toxport WRT. Uh, he's going to take on a new challenge, apparently. Is he? Yes. What, the GT3 for Toxport? Uh No. It's no. not going to be with Talk Sport, and it's uh, going to be something with an E in it. Formula E? No, E Extreme. E Extreme. Which okay. includes Billy Munger, apparently. Yes. Some very diverse names uh, on this mm. list. Uh, yeah, and did I. Also, while we're talking about E's, a yes. good geezer. Uh, yeah. E's a good. Um, Alice Powell's got a 
drive in the uh, Porsche series. It's not Porsche, is it? It's no, no. Jaguar. In the Jaguar. In the Jaguar. Yeah. In the Jaguar. Oh, you understand why I said Porsche, I don't you? Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, in the in the new in the uh, the Porsche. The Porsche. You got me right there. In the Jaguar. Still Jaguar. Still Jaguar. <laughs> in the Porsche. In the Still Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> in the, what is it, Nick? The Jaguar I Pace Trophy. That's it. Well done. Thank you. Thank goodness. Uh, so very well done to her. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to two wheels. Uh, and and by the way, no Formula E radio uh, for next year. That was, I didn't know it was running last year. I knew it was running two years ago. Mm. Uh, let's move on to two wheels now. Valencia at the weekend for the final race of the season. Fabio Quattararo on pole position, rode off into the distance and finally got his first win. <laughs> Except... No, because... Marquez. Well, I have to now say, I have to say which one it is from next year, but this year I can say Marquez. Mm-hmm. Mark Marquez uh, just won again because that's what he does and everyone else has given up. Uh, yes. Uh, however, hot on the heels of uh, the announcement last week that there would be a space at HRT-TM, um, which uh, HRC Honda racing thing. Um, now TM is Team Marquez. Certainly is. Lorenzo has finally given... We haven't talked about this, Nick, actually, but um, Jorge Lorenzo finally given up his unequal struggle against his injuries and his doubts and everything else. What we should say is, whatever anybody thinks about what Jorge is, and we've been critical of Jorge this year and we've pointed the finger, etc. However, it does not diminish what he achieved as a rider. No, he's a pretty brilliant rider. Five, five, is it five world championships, three at the Premier Class. Uh, drove through the golden age of um, the Avens, they say, when uh, Rossi and himself and Stoner and Pedroza, of course, the Marquez reign. So, yeah, he drove in a difficult time to do it. Um, you know, I think never had the personality to match some of the other drivers, but right, sorry, but that isn't that important. But he had a very long, slow decline and unfortunately I think you know you look at Casey Stoner who got out at the top and you know it's, it's, you can say the opposite happened with Lorenzo who obviously first of all has began to have issues with uh, damp and wet races um, struggled initially with Ducati then in the second year got on top of it and then left for no discernible reason and had a nightmare to say with, with basically with injuries just mounting on injuries mounting on injuries and, that, and that's you know um, very difficult for him and I think I think it's very I think what I would say I think it's very very brave in many ways just to walk to to retire at the end of the season when he had another year's contract signed he could have he could have convinced himself i can still do it but he realized he wasn't doing himself his health or his reputation any good and i think he got out at the right time i, I, I don't think it's a year too long i think it just just this final just didn't work out so and, and a great rider a great rider but in, in an era of great riders in some ways you what you might say is it was absolutely indicative of the man and his commitment that he wanted to carry on and give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, it's very hard for any racing rider or racing driver to admit when the powers are waning. I mean, I think with motorcycle riders, often it's the body does tell them, whereas car drivers have to be told by their brains. Um, you know, the, physically, it's a difficult thing to do when you've got injury and injury. And, you know, he's ridden for a number of years, fallen off a number of times, fell off in the, in the days before airbags when the injuries hurt a lot more. Um, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he's a he's a he's a he's a great he's a great rider, and with te- with with three or four years distance away from uh, away from his uh, bad three or four last seasons, everyone's going to go. It will, we'll reappraise him and realise how good he was, and what a 
golden era it was when we had all those great riders at the same time. Mm. And how how I wish we had someone of his peak level at the moment. Uh, perhaps we will have one next year, but certainly this year we've had only one rider operating on the highest level. And in fact, no one really even, to be honest, if you give it a football analogy, you've got one guy who's won the league, won the Premier League. We've had no one really else who would even qualify for the Champions League. Everyone else has been Europa League standard at best. Mm. True enough. Next year, which again is nothing to do about Alex, but nothing to do with Mark. Mark's bloody brilliant, uh, though a bit unfortunate personality recently. Testing. Uh, well, yes, we've seen. Well, we've seen when Quattararo or anyone else has challenged him. He's, he's gone a bit Sebastian Vettel or Michael Schumacher, hasn't he? And kind of lost his cool. Just a, a, but still won. But, but, <laughs> but still won, yes. Oh, he has fallen off a couple of times. Uh, and uh, there was a Marquez on the ground early this week in Valencia. Well, both of them, of course. But mm-hmm. that's his, his his brother signed. Um, I'm interested, interesting signing. I mean, he's he's the Moto Two champion, so you know it's not like they just picked some bloke because he was related to to Mark. So uh, yeah, so Alex Marquez has tested two. He fell off after about I think four or five laps, which his brother put down to him not knowing that the Michelin tires were a bit dangerous and well, not dangerous, a bit uh, unpredictable in the cold weather. And after two days of racing, Alex is around about 1.6 seconds off mark. Did they manage to get uh, another 2020 bike put together for him? Uh, it's put together, yeah. They got, well, it, Mark's got another 2020 bike. He lost it. He lost uh, two-thirds of yesterday, but they have a new bike uh, available for him today, or had a new bike today. And obviously, when they have the Hereth test next week, they'll have, uh, I think, new bikes for both the drivers, riders. Because actually, because um, his brother Alex actually was actually running the LCR Honda from this year. So he's right. running the Honda that we run by uh, Carl and the Pritchard. Japanese guy who's been, um, I name him really sorry, completely uh, uh, escapes me, but has had shoulder surgery and isn't oh, yes. pop- yeah, yeah. That was the bike that was uh, ridden. Uh, late I, in the year by Johan Zarko, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Uh, a more uh, biking brother news, or brother biking news, I'm not sure which way that comes round, Tim Greer. Uh, yes. Uh, if we come to the UK, uh, you'll notice that Honda has two Irwins. Really? In, in 2020, yes. Right. Uh, Glenn and Andrew will both be on CBR 1000RR5 blade SPs. They're the new ones or the old ones? They're the old ones, aren't they? These are the new ones. No, they're the new ones. Well, they, they get the new ones. They get the, the new ones BSP as well. Okay. They're described as much anticipated. Lots of R's. It's There's a, too uh, many R's. It's it's easy. It's a bit. It's a bit like every day is a pirate day if you're racing Arr. a Honda Superbike or Super bike. Yeah, something uh, is it's uh, that'd be interesting then. It'll take a while for them to get them, get them going, and don't forget they're in a different spec uh, in BSB and the RNWSB. WSB has more electronics than BSB does, and uh, obviously a different tyre. But uh, apart from that, I'm very excited about how next year is shaping up. For sure, there's a huge buzz with the new Fireblade, which is why we're all very excited to get our hands on it. For uh, sure, Andrew and. Tom made so much progress last year. I think knowing what they know now will be a massive help when we get started. Obviously, uh, it'll be Andrew and Glenn this year. Uh, that quote came from uh, Harvey Beltran, the uh, team manager for Honda Racing. Very good. Cool. Very good. Uh, do a couple of tweets before we move on. Alexander Orkin, uh short absence from him, now travelling home after a quick supper and a catch-up with Phoebe in Birmingham. Uh, he's found tuning uh, by now. Uh, what else have we got here? Oh, I like this one. Rob Chalmers, Ferrari. We're not cheating. 
You're stifling our innovation. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Dave Alcock says, do, do we think the F1 driving community, supposedly at the top of the motorsport pyramid, are setting a good example to other racing drivers in lower formula uh, by opening DRS and clearly not demonstrating their slowing down for yellow flags? Dave, that's not all they do. Honestly, for most of the time, it's an awful example that they set. And that you're absolutely right. Uh, it isn't a great uh, example there. But then... To Premier League football, that's a good example oh, to kids. No, no, you know, absolutely it, agree. Absolutely is it, agree. Is it actually their job to set an example? No, it's their, but it is. But it is the job of the stewards to, to correctly police them when they're not setting an example. I, I think, and uh, you know, as many people know, my late father was a cop uh, for most of my life, and. Uh, you know, when you look at an offence, whatever it is, the punishment should fit the crime. Um, and, but I do think, in certain circumstances, there's there's a need to fit the punishment to the level, in sport particularly, of the influence that it might have on other people. And in that case, there's not there's no point in giving. You know, if you really think that somebody's done something that's cheating or bad or sets a bad influence, putting two points on the license uh, or finding them 5,000 euros when they're on millions of quid and the teams are turning over millions of quid, it's like it's like saying to me, oh, hang off, give us a quid. We've caught you out in something. Give us a quid. All right, that's fine. They really need to make it punitive. And the only thing that makes it punitive is taking points away from the team in the team's championship, which actually costs them money for the following year and costs them a significant amount of money. I don't so know. They, they drop positions, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Alan Prosser has reminded us, as well as Alice Powell in the I-Pace Trophy this weekend, which is a... What, Nick? Uh, Jaguar. A Jaguar, thank you. Uh, Jaguar. Abby Eaton has got a drive in the uh, the guest car uh, this weekend in Riyadh, uh, start of the uh, Formula E calendar. Two races on BBC television, uh, network Live, television man. this year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Well done to Abby, who's also got herself uh, selected for the WC race uh, as well. I noticed uh, Abby, uh, the... Well, actually, that's a good question. We should get Abby on the show and ask her what's happening with that. Uh, is the team racing driver on the Grand Tour, uh, of course, among her other achievements? There'll be uh, another female that's... driver as well. Yeah. Uh, Rima Jafali. In the IPS Trophy? Yeah, she's not actually racing. I think she's driving the... uh, demonstration laps, but she is obviously a female driver from Saudi Arabia. She is the first female competition license holder in Saudi Arabia, is she not? Yes. Right. Well, She's been doing Formula 4 in uh, Britain this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll start this weekend. Uh, very quickly before we... unless uh, Are you going to do our Triple Crown later on? Uh, I was going to uh, move on to some single-seater racing right, briefly crack before on. still to come. Yeah, crack on. Um, because uh, Richard Vashur... Uh, became the first rookie to win the Macau Grand Prix in over a decade. Really? Yes. Kind of passed me by, um, Macau. 
You were in the wrong place. I was on the wrong time zone for sure, yes. Uh, He was only 13th in the uh, FIA Formula 3 Championship this season, but qualified fourth for the race uh, and passed uh, Robert Schwarzman and Christian Lungard at the start uh, to go uh, into second. Uh, However, Schwarzman and Lungard uh, ended up battling between themselves, uh, which... Um, cost them both a lot of time mm-hmm. and uh, one of them failed to finish I think I can't remember which one it was very early in the morning uh, <laughs> so for sure <laughs> not for them no no it was late <laughs> in the afternoon for them yes uh, middle of the night for you uh, Yuri Vips uh, had uh, led away from pole and uh, was caught by Vashur after a safety car um, and uh, Vashur went on to win uh, and shall we say as well, congratulations to Andy Priol returning to the top step of the podium yes. in the Gaia race. Uh, how long is it since he won a race, actually? But what, he ru- at Macau? Well, well, he hasn't been there for years. No, so. but he's clearly not lost anything there. Is it nine years since he won there? I bet it is, you know. Uh, he in won the, the third interim, race of the weekend. It's been mostly uh, Rob Huff that's been winning, isn't it? Who was second in the final race yeah. ahead of Jean Calverne in third position? But good, uh, good result for Prior in the Links and Co. What's it called? It's not called Link. that. Link and Co. Legs and Co. That's it. If it was a Links and Co. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be some cheap um, after wouldn't it? It is uh, the Cyan Racing Link and Co. All three to give it its proper title. Uh, which sparked off a huge debate about the various iterations of a well-known dance group on the BBC's Top of the Pops through the 1970s and into the 80s. Uh, Not we... Pan's People. Well, it came afterwards. Mm. No, no, Pan's People was first, wasn't it? We we had that. We we went through all of Pan's this. People, Ruby Flipper, Legs and Co. There you go. Nick knew. Nick's our dancing. He knows the language of dance. There we go, then. That's the first hour done and dusted. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Would you like to hear some of my experimental avant-garde poetry? No? Okay then. It's Midweek Motorsport and still to come. That still gets me every time. Shay Adam will be back on the show later on. We've got some American news. She'll be doing the roundup of that. I've just got this vision of Mark in the VO booth with these avant-garde experimental poetry. Uh, We'll have more of your tweets, please. Uh, at Specutainment. I'm sure Tim will want to throw in something that's a little bit left field. No, come on. Let's be honest. Quite a lot left field. But coming up in the first part of the second hour here on Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode number 44, it's our big interview. And standing by on the line is Alex Brundle. That's next here on Midweek Motorsport. All right. Sport. On RS1. Moving into the second hour of the programme tonight, our big interview is Alex Brundle. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hi, John. How's it going? I'm very well. How are you? 
Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Had a good week. Yes, like yes. You have had a good few weeks, actually. Uh, let's let's talk about your news. The good news is you're fixed up. You've got to drive for next year, and that's not always the case at this time of the year. Bit of pressure off there, though, mate, eh? Fixed up really, really early. I think it's probably the earliest I've, I've ever been signed into a, into a new new calendar year. Um, but it's great to be done before Christmas. Uh, means I can uh, I can stab my turkey slightly more uh, <laughs> slightly more calmly than than usual. But you know how these things go. You tend to get into you know February March, but um, it's a it's a credit to the team that they're in a position um, to to be able to uh, to be able to sign drivers at this stage. And that's back with United Autosport again. We should let people know that in case they they missed the announcement. Give us the details. Yeah, so I'm I'm with United All Sports in one of their LMP2 cars for the for the full European Le Mans series and also Le Mans 24 Hours pending entry, of course, yes. uh, which we know can be uh, a challenge. But um, I would I would hope that we'd be in a good position to get a Le Mans entry this year. So it's a it's a program on the board in a in a top level prototype run by a, a top level top level team. And your teammates. Uh, yet to be announced. Right. Um, there are there are some names floating um, around in the background, which I'll I'll let them do their own in- announcements and of course. won't disrespect them by mentioning. But a uh, couple of great drivers in the uh, in the forum of discussion um, to to join me in the car. So I think I think the words Richard Dean used on the phone is we're going to put a lineup together that will scare the hell out of everybody. <laughs> so uh, and do you know what? I would, if Deeney actually says that, he really means it, doesn't he? Because he's not one to make idle boasts like that. No, and uh, absolutely, and he's he's great at putting lineups together, um, you know. And and even back in the LMP3 days, when I signed kind of reasonably early as well uh, for for that year, uh, I was in touch with him all the way through, thinking about who we would have. And uh, he, he really is great at reaching out and finding the right drivers to put in the cars. So. Uh, when uh, when Richard says he's he's going to find me a great lineup, I, I really believe him. How's it been the last year? I mean, the, the European Le Mans series. We've got a review program. Johnny and I'll be talking about that in the next few weeks. Uh, so we'll go into a bit of a detail. How have you found the European Le Mans series uh, then? Uh, in uh, in general, f- what is it? Six races, four hours each, or twenty twenty four hours of racing, but spread over a, a season. It, it's 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 kind of find its niche now, hasn't it? I think it's it's the biggest field of LMP2 cars um, in the world, and the, the level of driving, the level of the teams, the level of the series, in terms of its organisation, you've got a really good kind of continuity and stability about the way the series runs, and I think that really helps because when people are trying to put their budgets together and their programmes together, you know they know what they're going to expect into the future, and they've got a feel for you know what. The, the costs are going to be what the organization uh, you know the, the the teams are going to have to put in place and so off the back of that you know continuity off the back of that stability the teams can then start to put great lineups together and start to run their cars really efficiently and that's when you get this ever increasing level of competition that we're that we're seeing now in the european series and it, it i mean a lot of people will say Oh uh, yeah, you know, ELMS, it's, it's just a stepping stone to the World Endurance Championship. But it's not at all. It's As I say, it's found its own place now. And in terms of regional series, it must be the foremost regional series in the world, certainly for LMP2 races. Well, uh, certainly for the... For the you know the type of sports car that that is at the top level in, in the championship. Definitely, it's the it's the foremost regional series. 
closely followed it has to be said uh, increasingly by the asian le mans series mm. which looks which looks ever more impressive but you know you can race a lmp2 car in ev- in every continent in the world that doesn't have ice on it and uh, and every single calendar month it's yeah. it's really really impressive these days what the the aco put together in terms of a, a calendar for us and then of course if you want to go big time there's the WEC as well but certainly you know it's a place to demonstrate ability in one of these cars it's uh, it's a great place to be uh, if you look back on 2019 then the season just ended how would how would you look at, at things for you there and and, uh, and your your achievements through the year well we we managed to get the the Ligier on the podium in in Monza and been running up front with that thing a couple of times through the year it was a bit of a transition year to be honest for the team um, moving from one chassis with the you know the full Ligier setup and of course you'll remember that the team were Ligier dealers almost in the UK so the the level of kind of I think people kind of underestimate the level of change that was for the team, mainly because they hit the ground so impressively uh, with the two Oricots. But the kind of level of organisation that had to go on in the background, even as you know, as close to you know, literally getting the mechanics to round the car, understand the car, the tooling, swapping everything over and getting the thing out on the ground, the first one in Silverstone and the second one in Spa and up to the front of the field was incredibly impressive. Um, but I think it did hamper, you know, uh, our, our specifically on our side of the garage, actually, the the ability to deliver results. We did get a couple of nice results towards the end of the year, um, but the ability to deliver results. So I'm feeling much more... Uh, optimistic shall we say about next season with everything together we'll get the chance to do a bit of testing which we really didn't do before we ran the two oracles at the end of the year and uh, we'll have all our ducks in a row um, ready to go was that a little bit unsettling for you as a driver or are you just I mean I I think I know the answer to this I would call you sort of plug and play really so you you know from your point of view was it were the drivers the easiest ones to get over the transition I, I well, thank you. Firstly, because I consider that consider that a compliment. But um, I think, yeah, for the drivers, it is it is a lot. Well, wow. I've done a year already in in the Orica uh, with Jackie Chan DC Racing. So for me, it was uh, yeah, it was kind of back to something I I did I did know a little bit about. But the I, I mean, swapping between cars like that really did educate me. Um, really taught me something, to be honest, about how much of a big jump it is for a team to start from zero and how much of a challenge that is to start from zero with an absolutely new car, even though the powertrain is the same, you know, an all spec and a lot of the systems is the same, Cosworth steering wheel is the same, uh, and a lot of the loom elements are the same. And of course, where everything that, you know, contacts with the, with the series itself, you've still got a new chassis. So you've got to learn the amount of time it takes to work on everything, the bits that break, the bits that wear, you know, it, it's a massive, massive challenge for an organization. And it was really impressive the way they, the way they managed it. So as you look forward to next season, then uh, do you feel as though you can, you know, obviously that transition part is now, in the past so from the team point of view you know the car now you've raced it a few times do you feel then you can put a more consistent season together and and challenge for the championship 
Well, certainly through the last two races of this season, we were at the front yeah. in the position to to win both races. Um, and then, you know, little things with kind of fuel timing or a pit stop awry or things like that were costing us. And that for me is always when, you know, when I look at the season I had with, for example, G-Drive in the World Endurance Championship um, a few years back, it, it, we were in that kind of phase where you're challenging, challenging, challenging for the victory and little things uh, are just going slightly awry and costing you. And then the next stage from that is just tidying up those little things and, and off you go uh, onto the podium and, and to the, towards the front of the championship. And I'm hoping, yes, um, to answer your question more succinctly, that we're, that we're going to take that step into next year. And uh, the small elements, we can tidy those up and deliver the performance on track that we've already got in, in terms of results. The truth is, though, Alex, um, Eva, you'll have seen the difference in level of competition and level of professionalism uh, in the last four or five years. And if I look back a bit further than that, these types of championships are actually unrecognisable. It used to be, if you made a mistake or two, it probably would cost you a chance of a win. You make any mistakes now, you're not going to be in the top three, possibly not the top five. Uh, five seconds in a pit stop is is the front to the back as far as yeah. meaningful as far as meaningful championship challenges are concerned you know and especially with the way the races tend to operate now i really enjoy the way european le mans series races operate because they build don't they and then you tend to get a bit of a sort of a, a late race a late race stoppage a late race safety car everybody knows that everybody puts the fast boys in at the end and you have a real shootout but it does put that pressure on those final you know couple of stints couple of uh couple of pit stops everything's got to be sharp into the box fuel time tires if you're doing them and and one as you say one little error now and it, um, it, it definitely didn't used to be like that you used to be able to carry a, a proper gentleman driver through the whole series and and really and still be in a position to win uh, a series you know, or, or one or even two proper gentleman drivers through that series. Now our, our gentleman drivers, in inverted commas, are, uh, are pushing for work seats at the end of the year. Yes. So, uh, and that's just the, the nature of the beast. But I love, I love sports car racing for that. It's an organic thing. And the championship is an organic thing. And it's, it's moving forward towards ever closer competition. And there's a, a slight irony that there's your dad, of course, voice of Formula One uh, in here in the UK and further afield now with his Sky commitments, watching Formula One cars quite often driving around in a sort of what I remember as being like a sports car. Well, we better only drive at 80% here and then we'll get the tyre stop done and, and then we can push or now we can't push. Now we can't push because we're overheating stuff. Whereas you guys are flatter. There's no hanging about driving at 85% now, is there? Not at all. And that's what's great. I mean, we've got two great tyre manufacturers, Goodyear now, of course, and, and Michelin, putting together tyres that can do two stints flat out with a considerable amount of downforce at two at 200 miles an hour plus. Um, you know, Eau Rouge compression, Monza straights, Silverstone, Cox Maggots, Beckett's flat out for hours and hours and hours on end. We've got powertrains that can do it. We've got carbon fibre chassis that can do it. Uh, uh, you, you've got drivers working all winter to make sure they can do it, which is another which is another factor about the new cars is that you really you know you have to be flat out on it with your with your physical preparation as well you should be as a pro uh, race car driver. So 
um, it, it's really, you know, the the attrition of just uh, yeah, a flat out battle uh, is what I love about is what I love about racing sports cars. Uh, yes, you and I have talked about that before. It's effectively a sprint set of sprint races, but instead of getting a chequered flag and a couple of weeks to recover from it, you're in the pits, get a new load of fuel, and straight back out to do it again for another whatever it is, 35, 40, 50 minutes. It's it's bonkers uh, in terms of the concentration levels from you uh, as a, a driver, and of course not content with doing that. Uh, this season, Alex, you've you've branched out again and, and gone and done some sports car racing in GTs, uh, and, and only at the Nurburgring. Um, you know, barely. I mean, it's dead easy to learn the Nordschleifer, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> hard just a couple of corners there, it's, and it's, o- only went out and won the class at uh, at the Nurburgring 24. What a, what an achievement, mate! That must have made you very happy indeed. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Well, I had a really good team. I should also say I had a really good team around me. Jamie Chadwick and, and Peter Kate and the Aston Martin Performance Centre did did an awesome job um, of running that new new GT4 car. And, and to be honest, mate, they, it's a 50% chance. The corners either go right or they go left. So... You, you, if you gamble, if you gamble, you're gonna half the time. You're Tell me that's it. not how you do your racing. Your, your driving instructing because I, oh, you're not you're not selling Alex Brundle as his race <laughs> mentor at that point. <laughs> oh, but it was it was honestly it was great fun and uh, what a challenge, man! What a challenge. To, to, I, I did the the whole permit course thing mm. um, end of end of last year with a view to going ahead and doing that. And uh, you know, I just I just loved it. I'd like to go back uh, this year, perhaps in the perhaps in the top class is something that I'm uh, I'm really aiming at um, to as an addition to the the great United program I'm I'm going to do. And uh, I'd like to go back there in a GT3 car and try and win it. You, you got the opportunity as well to race with your dad, and your dad had to go back to school. Uh, it's a subject of a uh, a mini documentary that's going to be on Sky F1 uh, over the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend. So I'm told by our, our friends at at Sky, and I, I, it was very interesting. I've seen some of it, and I've seen an early cut of it. It was very very interesting. Um, in the early part of him literally having to go back to school and get his get his uh, his first permit in in the old Kermit car, the the p- Kermit the permit as they Kermit call it permit, now, yeah. um, and, and then going and racing with you later on in the season, just you two together in the car, and you were the senior partner there, and that dynamic, I'm not used to seeing you two with that dynamic. It was really interesting. You know what, I loved it, and and back when uh, we did Le Mans together, um, it, it was a really, really different dynamic, actually, because it was that was my first Le Mans, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, ever, you know, properly first time really competing at, at the top level in a P2 car, so the jitters were there, I was focusing on my own thing, I was, I was making sure that I was doing the job I needed to do. This time, you know, I don't, I've done now um, six Le Mans 24 hours and some other you know, 24-hour racing, and, and also, you know, I've been around, I've done the, the N24 before uh, before jumping in the car with Dad. So I, I felt like I had my side of things so completely under control that I could really enjoy uh, sharing the car with him and spending the time with him and watching him progress and watching him learn, and it was just a completely different experience mm-hmm. from, from Le Mans, where he was basically mentoring me, introducing me. I, I felt completely the other side of the coin uh, along with that being a great car and a great race and uh, and seeing the smile on his face when he gets out of a race car is still fantastic i love it you were quite I, bossy you were quite bossy with them <laughs> at, at times and and i really enjoyed that part of of 
of the doco. It, it really came across for, and it was it was really funny watching your dad defer to you. That was very cool. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, he just and and it's a and it's a testament to his uh, humility in Absolutely. many ways. He just wants to get the absolute best result, and everything he does at a racetrack, he does to do that. Like I like to think that that I do. Um, and so basically, if if somebody knows something, it doesn't really matter who that person is or whether, you know, he perceives where they stand in the hierarchy. He goes straight to them and asks them. And that's, I guess, what you saw kind of playing out. Um, but he I mean, he was flat out even before filming, before we were arriving, before we were uh, he'd done a lap of the Nürburgring. I talked him around the place two or three times. We'd be sat there on the PlayStation doing a couple of laps. So he was he was properly getting prepared and he was gutted, way more gutted, I believe, than the documentary actually eventually showed that we that we didn't win the race, which at <laughs> <laughs> his age, I'm not sure whether to be whether to be like delighted that that's the case or just a little bit worried, to be honest. Hey, steady. Us old blokes still got competitive <laughs> virtue. You know, he's only a couple of three years older uh, than me. Um, that's going to be on, as I say, Sky Sports F1 uh, across the the Abu Dhabi uh, Grand Prix weekend, we are led to uh, to believe. Uh, and it was clear you had a, a lot of fun uh, with your dad there. I, I love that team. Um, Rebecca and Mario and the rest of the guys, they were the people who uh, helped me out when I was at Quarter for the 24 hours. And it's it's a really nice atmosphere, those guys, isn't it? Oh, they're, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And, and the great thing about the Nürburgring is the track is the star. So there's just no, there's no room for anyone else to be the star because the track's got it covered. And there is, there's a perfect lap out there. So it looks like I watched the Le Mans 66 movie the other, the other day. There's a perfect lap out there, but the chances of doing it with all of the variables of the, uh, of the Nord's life, as you well know, you've watched far more races there than me, um, are, are just, are just huge. Uh, and so you will never master it. You'll never beat the track. And that's, I guess kind of encapsulates almost the obsession of motor racing in, in, a, in a venue, really, Correct. doesn't it? It's, you will never, ever beat it. So it's one. All you can do, all you can do is lose successfully <laughs> to, to, the, to the race, to the racetrack. And, and that's and that's what the, those people kind of encapsulate in their humility and their, their skill and their uh, and their work ethic. I've got a feeling your dad and you might be going back there at some time. Alex, uh, enjoy the holiday period. I know it's still a little bit uh, uh, further away than, than normal, but uh, in this uh, sort of, I'm, I was going to say off-season, but it's not really. It just slows down a little bit. When are you out testing then? When does your season restart? To be honest, I, I mean, the, the ELMS threw up an, an Instagram post this week of uh, just reminding me there are 138 days to go before the season starts. <laughs> so uh, and uh, it, it's a little bit hurry up and wait. Uh, I think we're going to wait to get a little bit more of the lineup together before we start putting too much in terms of testing down. Um, but uh, I'll be in touch with the team all the way through the winter um, to, to figure out when we're going to get, get out there first. But to be announced, I would say, on that one. And is there any chance, uh, people are asking, you know they always will, um, any chance of seeing you in the US for anything, either as Alex Brundle or, or, or with United Autosports? I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the time I spent in IMSA. Um, it, it's difficult right now with the way that the structure of P2 and... Yes. and uh, 
uh, and DPI is to really break back into into the IMSA side of things. But uh, I would jump on I'd jump on any opportunity right now. I, of course, I'm talking to all of the prototype teams all of the time. Yes. Uh, it feel it feels like as as I should be. Um, but there's nothing specifically in the works to do that. Just remind Deanie that uh, there's still a P2 class at Daytona and there's a still uh, there's still watchers up for grabs as well. Oh, God, I've, I've just said that. He'd, he'd probably get his helmet and, and overalls out if I know Deanie, if he realises there's a watch up for grabs. Yeah, he's, he gets his helmet and overalls out quite a lot. He's, uh, he's a very keen, he's a keen historic racer now. Mm. He uh, does, a, does, a, does some seriously fast stints in some old Porsches and bits and bobs. Uh, have a good one, Alex, across whatever time you can get off during uh, the... Uh, truncated at close season best to your mum and dad as well and thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport mate cheers John catch you later Alex Brundle on the phone from walking distance from here hey uh, we've got a big announcement now John haven't we I have I have I've got to push this button here hang on it's not going to make a noise, so this isn't really going to work on radio. Not radio-friendly. No, it's not radio-friendly, but I've just tweeted an exclusive. This is our brand-new, one of two brand-new T-shirts in the Radio Show Limited shop. It's our World Tour T-shirt. I've just tweeted the back, and in a moment or two, I'll tweet the front. And we've got a new prototype t-shirt as well that doesn't mean that it's like you know some new type of t-shirt it means we're celebrating the fact that we cover prototype racing wait till you see the front of the world tour t-shirt okay i'm looking at the back now and we put them in alphabetical order yeah do you like that and i and i will in a moment or two uh tweet the front uh, as soon as we've said hello to uh share adam um, by the way thanks to andy blackmore and uh Full Talk Gear, Mark Mullen's got this absolutely nailed down. They will be in the shop now because Mark's been waiting to put this live. He's just let us know uh, that they are available for order now. And I'm going to send... What I'll do is I'll send a close-up image of the front as well as a... um, as a, a big image as well. I'll do that in a minute while she's talking. First of all, before we move on to more American news... Can that... I just say, I am a big fan of the green uh, Nürburgring t-shirt. Right. I, I love the colour of that. Uh, is that you putting your oar in for a Christmas present, is it? Uh, all sorts of Christmas presents next <laughs> week. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Link. Mm. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, Eve Hewitt will be here with Christmas gift ideas for you. Excellent. That's all in next week's show. It's Christmas Eve from Eve. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, before we move on to more je- more uh, pressing uh, US news, interesting what uh, what Cookie Monster there, uh, Alex Brundle, and thanks Alex for joining us. By the way, good stuff there. Uh, a number of people, including who uh, who was it who said? I think it was Dave Olcock who said he's just naturally infectious no it's david two brews actually always great to hear from alex his enthusiasm for the sport is infectious you're absolutely right sergio nascimento has already said i'm getting mine uh, for the world tour t-shirt um very interesting what he said uh, about still looking at the u.s uh, in terms of of coming over he's a young driver here who has proved himself at all levels of prototype racing and of GT racing. Um, all right, is it gold? But 
the, I mean, the problem is that there's not that many jobs at the moment in the States. No, and Alex Brendel, um, and by the way, hello, Cookie Monster. And if you do find a ride for Daytona, I will make you a platter full of cookies. They've got to be, um, they've got to be go faster cookies, though, right? Of course. They're, they're worth at least three tenths per cookie because they're, you know, completely fat free. They're just made with love. That, that's all they are. Um, yeah, he's got unfinished business in the U.S. Remember back the year of the merger, 2014, Alex ran a partial season sharing the pink and black oak car with Yakum and yep. Pla and he was a rotating driver in that won a race got a pole but didn't do enough to get a full season ride and you kind of wonder what else could he have done he's always been a driver who's on the periphery of the IMSA teams but he, he hasn't yet for whatever reason he hasn't yet gotten a full season ride in the U.S. and I don't have an answer as to why, because he definitely deserves it. Uh, and as far as the US is concerned, as I say, there's plenty of people out there who have still got uh, jobs to find. But let's do a little bit of uh, American news. Uh, and we we mentioned, we didn't ask her earlier on. Let's do some sports car stuff. And... Uh, Big news for Catherine Legg and Christina Nielsen, uh, and I mean it, it's it's big news for them. It's bigger news for the championship because Grasser have a full season entry. Well, they're going to have two, John. Mm. This is the first driver lineup that's been announced for Grasser, and it's Gear GRT. It's going to be a Lamborghini, as you rightly say, Christina and Cat, the two full season drivers. We're waiting to find out who the endurance driver will be, and then who the extra driver for Daytona will be. But this is awesome. I mean, it's the only way to put it. We've got the two girls back. Last season, driving for Meyer Shank Racing, it was a partial season for Christina. She was pretty much race to race. I mean, she found out she was racing at Belle Isle when somebody tweeted it. Um, before they had actually told her that she was going to be in the car. So weight off of her shoulders, knowing that she's got the full season ride. And Kat, now jumping over to a new manufacturer for the first time in three years, it's going to be a really interesting learning experiment for the two of them. But coming in with Grasser, a team that in the last two years have run three races and won three races. So not a bad record. (laughs) Uh, And... I mean, both of those drivers very adaptable, so I can't see it being an issue in no, terms of I, changing their manufacturer. I completely agree. The The Acura is a very um, central car to drive. It's very driver-friendly, and from what I've heard, the Lamborghini is very similar. The biggest difference will be a little bit more elbow room in the cockpit. There's a bit more space in the Lamborghini, which makes it a more comfortable car to drive than the Acura, which is very claustrophobic. But both girls have gotten used to driving in the Acura. So it'll just be, you know, a couple of laps and learning how to drive a car that just handles everything a bit differently. But considering the Lamborghini's success at Daytona and Sebring over the last two years, undefeated at both of those tracks, it's going to be the perfect way to start the season out at both of those tracks. Uh, Over at Wayne Taylor Racing, Kanika Minolta, um, Regan van der Zander, Ryan Briscoe, uh, and a couple of pretty decent names for the Enduros. Yeah, they're okay. They've just won a couple of things between the two of them. Well, Scott Dixon is going to be the endurance driver for Petite Watkins, I would imagine, Sebring and Daytona, and bringing back 
Kamui Kobayashi, who had a ball last year at the Daytona 24, and pretty much as soon as the checkered flag came out during after the red flag period, announced his intent to come back again and run Daytona. He will be a part of that driver lineup, but full season, Briscoe and Ranger, I really like this combination. They're both very similar drivers. They're both very fast and willing to take the risk. We've been talking about going for a gap when it's there. They're both drivers who do that. It's going to be interesting to see how Ryan learns to set up the prototype because he does have prototype experience in the past, but that came with open cockpit cars in the level five days. So it's it's going to be a little bit of a transition period, particularly during the roar, but Briscoe will be fast no matter what he's driving. And now we just have one fewer GT Le Mans driver who's been set astray, who has found a new home. And... Uh, Corvette, finally, we know exactly what's happening. They they have announced it. Uh, it will be Jordan Taylor joining in the number three car with Antonio Garcia. They've driven together multiple times in the past at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So it's not that they're going to be learning each other, but it, it is going to be a full season thing. So it's a huge promotion for Jordan to be called up to the full time, the big leagues. And of course, in the four car, Tommy and Ollie, they're together again. And those two who have won every single race together on the IMSA calendar, except for Watkins Glen and Petit Le Mans, will have another opportunity to try and knock those two out. And by the way, the silver with yellow Corvette will be one of them, I think the number four, and then the yellow with silver Corvette will be the number three. So we will have two different colored Corvette C8Rs at the Daytona 24. So that makes our lives a lot easier. Yeah, and we, we kind of knew that, didn't they? Because that's been talked about for uh, a, a wee while. But yes, confirmed now uh, that that is going to work that way uh, around. Uh, already some great uh, feedback on the World Tour t-shirt. I've just tweeted some more of Andy Blackmore's wonderful detail from the front of that shirt uh, as well. Uh, at the moment, it's in black. I think there's an opportunity to have it in a grey colour as well, but I'll leave Mark to put that up uh, on the Radio Show Limited shop. If you're looking at that at the moment, uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, in fact, very cool uh, indeed. And not one, but two new T-shirts because we're going to talk about prototypes now and P2 in particular uh, in IMSA. Uh, we've got a... Uh, an appreciation of all things prototype in a Radio Show Limited uh, t-shirt as well, just in time for Christmas. Uh, and the IMSA initiative has attracted another P2 car. We've seen them before, Dragon Speed, run the Daytona 24, the Rolex. Last year they brought two cars, and it was the other car that took home the watch. But now it's a full-season campaign for Hedrick Henman. And Ben Hanley, their third driver for the endurance races, TBA, as well as their endurance driver for Daytona. But full season for Dragon Speed means that we now have two confirmed LMP2s for the full season, neither one of which we had last year. So assuming we get Performance Tech back and PR1 Matheson, we could be looking at a four-car, at least, full season lineup for the seven LMP2 races. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, that's more than all right. That means your chances of getting a watch. Once again, they're only one in four. Uh, so the uh, the Proto uh, 
is up. There are ladies' versions of both of those T-shirts. Uh, the link is on there or on the front page of Radio Show Limited. Thanks to Andy Blackmore, Blackmore who has turned the artwork round super quick, particularly for the world to a T-shirt. If you're now looking at the front of that, you will see that there is a, a car that represents pretty much everything that we talk about uh, and a couple of very obvious... A at the on the third row? Anglesey, mate. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, do you say that? I That's like the cool. last one. You like, yeah. Well, leave that for people to go and have a look at. That's not a car. That's why I did. Yeah, very good. And did you spot the VLN car in there as well? I did. With the foxtail? Yes, of course. Yes. Brilliant. Flap, flap, flap. Brilliant stuff from uh, Full Talk Gear and from Andy Blackmore on uh, on sale now in the store. Uh, we'll, we'll, there's time, there's plenty of time, probably a week or so, uh, if you want to get those in to get them before Christmas. We were talking with Mark earlier on today and he reckons that if you get your orders in uh, in the next 10 days or so so between now and the end of the first week of December you'll probably get those before Christmas uh, with post and things like that but certainly in plenty of time for the new season at Specutainment they are available right now Jesse is saying when Will that become available? Uh, available right now uh, in the store. Uh, uh, and you can get that via the link uh, on the front page. Uh, shall we do a bit of IndyCar, uh, Tim? A vehicle in North Brabant. Right. Uh, seems an unlikely place to launch an IndyCar campaign outside a supermarket. Right. But that's exactly what uh, ah. Renus VK did this morning. Ah, would that be a... Jumbo. It was uh, Fritz van Ed's Jumbo supermarket, yes. I see what you did there. Uh, so, Renus VK, VK will be uh, racing in IndyCar for Red Carpenter Racing uh, next season, replacing Spencer Piggott, who joins uh, James Hinchcliffe and Connor Daly as rideless drivers. Mm. Shay, what do you know about Renus? Um, not much. I know that he is pretty well thought of in the indie lights ranks. I want to say, um, he's a name who's been on the radar for quite some time. I didn't know that he was even being contemplated for an indie car seat, but earlier in the week I did hear through the grapevine that Spencer Piggott found out he would no longer be driving for Ed Carpenter racing about 30 minutes before an email went out to the press saying that he would no longer be driving for Ed Carpenter Racing. So a bit of a questionable situation for a team that's been pretty loyal to the Florida native, uh, Spencer Piggott, who was one of Jeremy's boys, remember, Team USA. Mm. He's been good. He's never broken through to greatness, but he's been on the front row of the Indy 500. He's always good at the super speedway and you've got to imagine that he's going to have a ride come may at very least for the one-off but i don't really know what to make of this honestly Uh, he's been very quick in the road to indie events uh i think the champion yeah uh, and ed carpenter uh, put him in a car and had a test with him uh, a few months ago tom firth reminding me of that on the radio show limitless listeners collective on there also some everybody likes the t-shirts get your orders in then uh, the boys and girls at uh, Full Talk Gear uh, are ready to go for the orders to get them out as quickly uh, as possible. Um, 
there are too many drivers for too few cars, Sheer. Um, you know, we, we've talked about Hinch in the past and one or two others there. With all of the good drivers, formerly works drivers, in IMSA as well looking for a job, where are they all going to go? It's that terrible time of year when the musical chairs music stops and a lot of people that you think should be sitting pretty comfortably all of a sudden find themselves on the floor. Um, it, it's, you know, it, that's happening right now also in sports cars because the FIA driver ratings provisionally came out the other day. So the problem with IndyCar is that there's so few cars to choose between that when someone is coming up through the ladder, when they look promising, when people are saying that they're even better than Max Verstappen, possibly, you know, from wearing the same logos on the fire suit and from the same background. And when they bring a little budget and you're a driver who doesn't bring budget, you expect a paycheck. It's a very tough crowd out there. And it's a bit more like an African safari than it is, you know, a friendly playground. Uh, Tim, all of this scramble for seats in IndyCar and is it Michael Andretti who wants to effectively go back in time? Uh, he wants the franchise system reinstated in IndyCar. Right. Um, which would be odd because as someone who is running five cars, he'd probably be someone who'd miss out if uh, if that was the case. Ha how would it, I mean? Has he said how he wants it to work? Uh, he wants somewhere between twenty-two to twenty-four franchises, all running two cars or one car at a time. Uh, each car, each car would be a, a franchise, so twenty-two to twenty-four cars. But I mean, how does that help? Yeah. Well, if you look at the theory behind it because they're limited uh they increase in value so the value of having a team in indycar uh increases but of course although there is no limit at the moment there aren't people queuing up to enter new cars no um, and that is down to the fact that there is a shortage of engines mainly well, and, and the other problem that we discussed a couple of weeks ago is when the entire franchise is sold for a number that we postulate is a lot lower than perhaps it should be, that doesn't exactly inspire new team owners to come and spend a couple million dollars to create a new team. Hmm. Yeah. I... Let, let's not forget we had major team owners not so long ago um, saying that they, you should have absolute right to enter the Indy 500 if you've got a full season entry. To start the Indy 500, not to enter. Any, they're all yes. guaranteed an entry. Yeah. yeah. To start. But yeah. So that would be 33 cars. But nobody's saying you can have 33 franchises because at that point... Uh, there, there will be. Are there places that can't hold 33 cars? I, I'm not sure. Is this 33? Long Beach? Well, no. It's got a long enough pit lane. Yeah, Long mm. Beach could hold 33. But I mean, they're. they're I don't think there's 33 people. It wouldn't be any good. But I, I don't think there's 33 entrants that want to have a full entry car, though, is there? That's the issue. No, no, no there's definitely not. Certainly not 33 drivers with budget for full season entry. Exactly. 
And that's the problem when you've got so many drivers who are scrounging around to try and find the money just to run the Indy 500. That would be a huge ask for them to bring enough budget to run a full season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. As you say, Tim, you know, he's got five cars at the moment. Does he, uh, does he win by this or does he lose by this in terms of what it's what he's having at the moment when he says franchise does he expect people to fork out and pay x amount of money to buy the franchises yes right so i suppose Mm. if he wanted to reduce the number of cars he was running then he could sell them on because at the moment anyone as long as you can get a deal with chevy or honda you can turn up with a car and start racing Aren't we expecting another engine manufacturer to enter soon? Always. Yeah. Uh, we've been expecting new engine manufacturers for every year for my entire <laughs> lifetime. Fair point. Uh, let's move on to a story I was going to do a little bit earlier. And uh, uh, we ran out of... Oh, put a piece of paper down and uh, skipped it. Uh, before we do that, uh, Renus VK mm-hmm. shares a birthday with whom? Ooh. When's his uh, birthday? Which, what's the birthday? With which uh, RSL commentator? Oh, really? What? Mm. Birth, birth what month is he birth in? Date. date. Okay. So what uh, month is it in? It's in the autumn uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, that, or that the could be in the southern hemisphere. That could be me or Johnny. Uh, or I don't know when Bruce's birthday is. That's terrible. Oh no, you said commentator. Uh, don't know. Uh, we give up. Who is it? It's Johnny Palmer. It is Johnny. Right, Johnny. Okay. There you go. And also Thomas Enger. Are they all the same birthday? Are they? Yes. Very good. Uh. Nick Tandy's won the Le Mans 24 Hours. He's won the Daytona 24 Hours. And uh, at the weekend, he won the Indy 500. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, this was the 500... Was it 500 minutes? 500 minutes, yeah. 500 minutes 500 of minutes. the Indy circuit at Brands Hatch in a Ford car. Now, she probably doesn't know what a Ford car is. It imagine a like Focus, but a lot smaller. Throat. Oh, no, imagine a Fiesta, but a lot smaller. She won't know what a Fiesta is. Yeah, they get Fiestas in the yeah, States. Yeah, Fiesta. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. For, a little, for a little while before... Um, in fact... We had. In fact, Ford have just released the new Mustang. And it's and as I said, when people laughed at me, it's based on an Explorer platform, the next Mustang. And everybody laughed at me and said, don't be silly. And the new Mustang is out. And what is it, Shane? It's a small pickup truck. It's yeah, a small like, truck. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, a Ford car is a very small wheel at each corner, a little bubble. And <laughs> it runs a um, it runs a one-litre engine. Um, I said 1.1. But anyway, it's all of 69 horsepower. And you can pick them up for a few hundred quid. And if you remember, when I did the big interview with Nick at JTR, he said he had one already done. And he was preparing a second one for himself, and they only went. They only went and bladed one it um, <laughs> at the weekend. That was the enduro car at night race at Brands Hatch. He had a ball. Everybody who was there had a ball. There was a few people there who were tweeting out as we were at 
quarter with the 24-hour race and fabulous. We had a, lo- they had a lot of fun. I'm, d- I'm dying to have a go. Dying. What, what distance do you think they covered in 500 Ooh. minutes? Uh, his Ooh. teammates, by the way, Lewis Selby, James Rhodes and Elliot Mason. Uh, I just want the number of laps. Nope. You could do it in miles as well. A lap of the Indy Circuit is 1.2 miles. Right. Uh, I think they probably did... I bet they did nearly 300 miles. 250 uh, laps. 300 miles, that would be... Miles. 250, laps. 250 laps, yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. uh, 290 laps. They did 430 laps. No way! It's 1.2 miles. Yeah, but what, were they lapping at then? Well, 6 hours 20 minutes is 500 minutes, isn't it? So uh, they did 430 laps in... So the, yeah, they were lapping in a minute 30? No, less than that. Yeah, that's that's not hanging about. laps in a minute 10. That's the, lap, the lap record for touring cars is about 51. Yes, I know that, but this that's got 300 horsepower and it's purpose-built as a race car. This is a shopping car, somebody's first car, the first, you know, the, the runabout that you have strapped on the back of your RV type of car. And... They've all been bought as street vehicles and had it. The, the kit, it's super cheap, Shea. The kit costs about 1,500 quid or two grand. That's the cage, the seat, the fire extinguisher, and everything like that. And uh, Nick, of course, decided he was going to do his himself in the workshop because he was back on the spanners again. And it's a really, really cost effective way. That, I tell you what, Tim, I'm very impressed by that at a minute 10. If that's what they were lapping at, that's uh, not. Their and they're fastest on lap, road tires. Their fastest lap was a 104.0. <laughs> but, 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 but the pit stops. I mean, we're not talking about 30 seconds for four new tires and a whole no, load no, of no, fuel, no, no. too. So they are four that's stud, a great average. Four stud rims. I, I don't know. Uh, they do run uh, road tires, so they're running te- treaded tires. I, I think that's fantastic. Can I pick out some other names from this race? Yes, there were some good people there. So, uh, ninth position, Graves Motorsport, uh, Matthew Swaffer, Sam Strong, Rob Gravit, yeah, and Bradley Gravit. Rob Gravit's a uh, former British touring, touring car, car racer. Yeah. Uh, I've just, thanks to Sam Pierce, I've just retweeted Nick driving the winning car, and it, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, beautifully turned. There's a little bit of damage to the right front there. Um, but and it, that which I know wasn't there um, at the start of the race. But they had they have totally nailed the preparation of that. He's even put a little spoiler on the back. That's fantastic. I think he said he paid a bit too much for that one. That was nearly £400. Yeah. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah. Uh... 16th place, uh, JTR's team included uh, Lewis Plato, a race yep. winner in the Porsche Carrera Cup. Yep. Um, we have uh, a team which includes uh, Eric Boulier. Mm-hmm. Really? Remember him, yeah. Uh, formerly the Renault Formula One team manager. And McLaren, yes. Uh, yes, of course, McLaren. Uh, yes. Clio Cup racer David Drinkwater was in a car as well. Um, and. Uh, the circuit commentary uh, was done by Mark Werrell, and he also found himself in a car. 
How's and that? And finished 20th. Well, at the same time as he was commentating? Uh, well, I suspect that someone else did those commentary stints. Right. Uh, and he was commentating while Roger Everett, John Proctor and David Bywater were in the car. I, I did ask... They finished 23 laps down. I did ask Nick, and he said I'd have to put money down. So I was a bit disappointed with that. Because, you know, it's, you know, really. Um, but never mind. But anyway, I couldn't have done it anyway because I was at Cota. Yes. I was at Cota not getting a drive. I went all the way to Cota not to get a drive as well. Uh, the winning margin, by the way, was two laps. Yeah. So wow. two minutes two minutes and ten seconds then in that case. Or about two and a half miles. Uh, yeah. After Actually, six hours. I've just found an updated bit of paper and the fastest lap was 103.678. That's 103.678 on lap 365. Quite a number of people, <laughs> including Kevin Payne, saying that's a quick lap time. That is not hanging around for a, a 68 horsepower car. Now, there are a lot of cars that would struggle to do 103.6. Yes. yes. Particularly in November... Well, I wonder if it helps then that they're on straight tyres, or if it doesn't. I don't know. Well, yeah, you're never going to get heat into a racing tyre at that time of year, are you? Absolutely. Absolutely not. Thanks for your kind words on the new T-shirts. All of the existing T-shirt designs are on the shop as well. Get yourself over there. Thanks to Andy Blackmore uh, and uh, to Mark Mullins from, uh, from Full Talk Gear. All of those designs available now. There are ladies' versions of them as well, as you'll see from the shop page, which you can link to from the front of uh, radiolamont.com, radio-show.co.uk. And the good news is they are made to order and they are fired to you either from the States or from the USA, depending on which is closest to you. Tim, do we have that bit of extra content to go after the show tonight? We do. I'm just doing some comparisons of lap time. <laughs> I around, knew around you would hatch. be. It's faster than a, the fastest uh, race lap time set by Janetta Junior this year, yep. which was a 105. Yeah. That's, and a Janetta Junior, that's a 2 litre, isn't it? Uh, was it a 1.8? I think it's a 1.8. But that's, junior, a, that's a tube frame Effectively, a two-frame race car. racing car. Running on, on race tyres. Yes. Um, I, I'm very... <laughs> and this is a... By the way, that's front-wheel drive, Shea, as well. Oh, yeah. Five-speed gearbox. And as it should be. There's a couple of little tricks to know about which one to buy, but I'm not going to blow them now, just in case. Uh, I think that's fantastic. I, I really do. And well done to everybody who took part. There's a big entry, and uh, they're... Uh, every, they were on the same um, race weekend as I did the SR3 uh, Radical weekend up at Donington in the early part of the season. And there were people last year that turned up with their race car and two cars as spares on a trailer. <laughs> That's a great idea. Uh, um, one of the guys had a full spare race car with a cage in and a road car ready to take parts from, should they be required. Uh, it was it was extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary to get. I mean, to get on the track and race in a proper little endurance race, as as Tim says, you know, just over six hours there, for hours. Five, uh, just over eight hours there rather for 500 minutes, uh, and uh, for probably under three thousand pounds, most of those, well under three thousand pounds. The the <laughs> pole time 
<laughs> You've the, got into this now, haven't you? The pole time in the Mazda MX-5 Cup yeah. uh, this year was set by Luke Herbert, 105.332. We have just noticed that it was raining yeah. during qualifying yeah. and actually mm. in the race where it was dry, he did a 57.2. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure there'd be that much slower in the wet a car because it's, it's front-wheel drive. It just pulls I around. I probably lose five seconds. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm loving it. It's great. And it's fantastic that, you know, Nick Tandy, with everything that's behind him in his career, still wants to go and do something. I think he said it was the first time he'd raced a front-wheel drive car since his days in mini-stocks when he was 13. <laughs> Well, he's a triple crown winner now. That's it. Can't take that from him. Uh, where would you like to go next, Tim? We've got uh, five minutes left. Where do I want to go next? Mm. What have we not talked about? We haven't talked about Laguna Seca. <sighs> the ongoing saga of Seca. The saga Seca. The Seca saga. Mm. Uh, new management appointed last night. Yeah. Go on. Oh, you want me to tell you who they are? Well, I thought you were going to do the story. That was just leading into it so that you could do it. Uh, you needed to have told me that, don't you? <laughs> um, uh, right, this is the ongoing saga of the change in management. It was going to happen back in, I want to say, 2017. And the non-profit organisation Scramp, uh, Scott Spotscar uh, Racing Association, the volunteer organisation, were given a three-year extension uh, till the end of uh, this year uh, so it, it's up it was up for grabs at the end of this year and the county supervisors uh, asked for uh, tenders for the new uh, contract uh, and uh, the Sports Car Racing Association of the Monterey Peninsula, who have been involved for 62 years, uh, didn't get the nod. And instead, it's gone to a new company. And that new company is fronted up by a local businessman, formerly the VP and general manager of the Monterey Plaza. I'm doing all this from memory, Tim. Yes, he's called John Narigi. Not it's, Narigi, uh, yeah. A&D Narigi LLC, brackets A and D, close brackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and as yet, we don't know uh, who else is involved in that. No. He hasn't named the... Uh, management structure as anybody who's followed this for a while will know there's been um, I'll be diplomatic here and say there's been quite a lot of uh, back and forth uh, and a few issues not with it should be said not with the volunteer part of uh, the WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca scramp organization think of it as two different parts there's a management organization and there's a volunteer part of the organization uh the volunteers have always been brilliant it's a community that loves their racing uh, at, at monterey and they have been behind this for a long long time this is not dear listener the sort of place that um turns their nose up at racing and you know complains about noise and and all that sort of stuff remember this is on um part of the old Fort Ord uh, firing range, army military range uh, and uh, it's been again, this is from memory so I apologise I think it's been owned by the county from the early to mid 70s, 74 76 comes to mind and um, the there's been one or two 74. 
74. Oh, there you go. Uh, they, uh, and as I say, the, the the volunteers have always been brilliant. We love going there, and we're always well looked after. But the, there's been the some issues with management. management. Not so good. Uh, grand jury ac- accused them um, of uh, systematic financial mismanagement. Hmm. Um, well, I, 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 which is one of the reasons why uh, uh, the county put it out to tender in the first place. Uh, four organisations that we know of uh, submitted uh, bids, including Scramp and uh, uh, A&D Norigi. Um, it's thought that uh, there was a group led by Chris Pook. Remember yep. him from uh, Champ Car? Formerly Champ Car head, head guy. Uh, and also Friends of Laguna Seca, which uh, had been the preferred bidder three years ago, but was unable to reach uh, an agreement with the uh, local authority, which is what's led to Scramp having that three-year extension. There's a lot of people running point. around... There's a lot of people running around with hair on fire at the moment and saying it's the end of the track. It's far from the end of the track. The um, It doesn't make any sense for it to be the end of the track. The county have uh, already committed to a, a huge um, infrastructure investment and they've put over 5.5 million into it over the last two years starting what they describe as a long-term revitalisation uh, plan, including a $20 million uh, paddock revitalisation. Um, and uh, as I say, scramp the business and scramp the volunteers, two distinct sides. And uh, back in 2017, the directive was given to the business side of it uh, to fix the business and align themselves with the management codes and uh, whether that did or didn't occur you can be the judge but they haven't had it renewed Uh, we'll wait to find out who the uh, principals shall we say of the new business are but certainly share we don't want to not go there Um, they've just got uh, IndyCar back uh, and you're still there share Oh, we've lost I don't you. think she is. I think we've lost Jay. Exactly what happened are, last week. There are um, uh, there is a uh, focus not just to make Laguna Seca a racing venue as well, though. Um, it's got long term agreement with IndyCar. It's got an agreement mm. with IMSA. Uh, they're keen to get some form of bike racing back there, but there's, they also want to use the venue for things other than circuit racing last year there was uh, a selection of bike races as in pedal Push cycle yes. uh, races around Bicycles, there. Yes. Um, uh, one of which was uh, won by um, a former IndyCar driver I think um, on a bike or maybe it was third um, they want to have running races around the track yeah. In this, along the same veins as the uh, Silverstone five Ks this year, this, uh, this weekend. weekend. Listen, whatever else anybody thinks, it needs some stability there. Um, a, a couple of three years ago, there was thirty-two people working there. There's now somewhere near forty, but twenty-three of them have uh, has been turned over. The staff have been turned over in recent times. It's not good. Uh, there are some good people uh, who. <laughs> 
could be part of of the new group and we wait to see what happens. I just hope that they get a bit of stability. Uh, I hear from impeccable sources that the title sponsor, WeatherTech, are well aware of what's going on and indeed uh, have uh, indicated that they uh, want to stay with what's going on and indeed have been in contact with the county before the decision was made uh, to make their preferences known uh, as well to what was going on and uh, presumably that was taken into account on the 5-0 vote at the county commissioners. We'll keep across that of course. Thanks to Shea Adam, to Nick Damon, particularly to Alex Brundle. Excellent work by Andy Blackmore uh, and by our colleagues uh, Full Talk Gear who look after the Radio Show Limited shop. Now, don't tune away, particularly if you're Sarah Rigby. Sarah, you're listening? You've been wanting the next programme for quite some time. The first airing of the real-world road test of the Aston Martin Racing uh, AMR DB11. It's not that the first airing. Is it not? No. Uh, first airing on a Wednesday. The first Wednesday airing. It was yeah. on, a, on a weekend uh, around the... Base of Remembrance. Ah, right. Okay, that's why I didn't hear it, because that wasn't on a channel I was listening to. All right, first... Uh, you weren't uh, in the country. No, I wasn't. So, Sarah, enjoy that. Enjoy the the uh, mellifluous sounds of the Aston Martin V12. That comes up next. We'll be back next week. Tune in then. And it's Eve's Christmas presents next week. And we must be getting close to our... Christmas show of the show of the show of the year of the year of the year. Next week we will be. Uh, is it next week? No, the week after next, uh, I'll be inviting uh, our experts to make their nominations in the uh, show of the year show. Yep. And then the following week, uh, we'll be opening the vote to the public. Right. And then the week after that, uh, we will have. Uh, our show of the year show with all the awards the year of the show of the year of the show of the year uh, and that's your lot for tonight no time to explain the llama's off to buy a new t-shirt with a llama on it this programme is a Radio Show Limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com